Reading now from the first letter of Peter, chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now, for a little while, you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thomas had to wait a week. The other disciples had seen the Lord celebrated his resurrection, received his peace, but Thomas had not. He missed out. And the other disciples let him know about it. I don't think they were mean about that. I just think when you have experienced something like the resurrection of your Lord, you have to speak about it. And so they spoke about it. They let Thomas know that they had seen the Lord and, and Thomas had not. Have you ever thought about that week while Thomas waited, what it must have been like? Jesus appeared then disappeared. Wherever Jesus went in that week in between was not where Thomas was. For one full week, the disciples were aglow with the resurrection of Jesus, and Thomas was in the dark. Now, we look back and think, well, it was just a week. But Thomas had no way of knowing that it was only going to be a week. As far as he knew, during those days, it would be forever. As day after day passed, all he knew is that all these other disciples say they have seen Jesus and and I haven't. Why them? Why not me? We might wonder the same thing. Why not us? Thomas waited and he wondered and he had said pretty emphatically to the other disciples, I'm not going to believe until I see him. I'm guessing that part of what made Thomas's week so long was his emphatic statement that I won't believe until I see him. Because once we've made an emphatic statement, once we've said this is where I stand, then we tend to dig in. And when people start to push against what we dig in on, we dig in deeper. And so when Thomas said, I won't believe until I see him, and they say, we've seen him, you must believe, I imagine he said even more strongly, I'm not going to believe until I see him. That must have made for a long week for Thomas. Day after day, the other disciples talked about the appearance, and day after day, he waited and he wondered and, and I guess, agonized. 
Finally, Jesus appeared to Thomas and he, he showed him the proof that Thomas said he needed. And then Jesus said something about you and about me, about every Christian since that first 40 or so days after the resurrection. He, he said about you and he said about me, blessed are those who believe even though they have not seen. Arland Holtgren, who's a New Testament scholar, he said that there are two ways of coming to faith. One through seeing, the other through hearing and believing the gospel proclaimed by Jesus' witnesses. Almost every single Christian of all time falls into that second category. Save those very few who were there with Jesus in those 40 days after the resurrection, the rest of us, since 30, 33 A.D., the rest of us have had to believe based on the witness of somebody Everyone you know who has come to believe has come to believe through another person's witness, through their parents' witness, their mentor's witness, their friend's witness, their child's witness, their spouse's witness, or through the Scripture's Witness. John said in his gospel, these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing in him, you may have life in his name, unlike the Apostle Thomas. I believe it is not based on a first-hand touch or first-hand sight. It's based on a witness that we have received. We're like those Christians that Peter wrote to and celebrated. He said, although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice. We know something about loving those we do not see. Loving those even when we do not see them. I slipped out of town for a couple of days this week with some friends and, and I didn't have to, to pull out my phone and, and look at my pictures of my family to realize that I had some people to love. Even though I wasn't with them, I still love them. And I did pull out my phone and, and look at pictures, but I didn't have to. We don't stop loving someone when he or she dies, even though we don't see him or her. We know what it is to love someone we do not see, but, but, but to believe in someone we do not see or have never seen, well, that's quite something altogether. I don't know all that goes into developing a faith like that. I don't know the chemistry that makes it possible. 
But I'll tell you something of my story. And I'll encourage you to tell each other your stories because I think that's a part of how this thing happens. I think our sharing our stories is part of how we, we witness. And we should be clear, we don't just witness to those who we think don't believe. People who believe need to hear stories from people who believe. I was born to Christian parents. That was a good start. My parents had us, my sisters and me, in the church always. We were part of the choirs, we were part of the Bible schools, we were Sunday school, we were at the church sports, we were at worship. We were there. I'm not sure what all of that, what measure needs to happen, and maybe it's different for each person, but... but but I want to pause a second and encourage you who give your time to something like those ministries. You are helping someone come to believe or deepen their belief by giving your time to make those things possible. So I was involved in those things growing up and, and got to an age where I was with my class ready for confirmation, the ministers thought. And so... They drew us together, and unlike what we do here, it wasn't a year-long process. It was just a few weeks with this minister. And I remember four things from my confirmation process. The first was that in our narthex, there was a strange statue of Moses with horns. The second was that we walked down and checked out the baptismal font. The third thing I was interested in in confirmation was Rachel. And not from the Bible. <laughs> and the fourth was Tiffany, and she also is not in the Bible. Now, I wish we'd had a year-long process like our confirmants had. It would be nice to have studied the faith for a year with Rachel and Tiffany. <laughs> it would also have been great to have had the mentors we are blessed to offer to our confirmants here at Central to have had a person spend week after week with me, helping me learn the faith and grow in the faith and, and share the faith. I didn't have the fortune of that, that kind of confirmation process, but we did have mentors. I had mentors throughout my, my growing up time. Our, our youth volunteers were phenomenal. They gave of themselves and, and, and poured into our lives. And they got us involved in things. They got us involved in something like Chrysalis, which is a spiritual weekend. And, and it was on one of those weekends that I realized that Jesus didn't just die, as John Wesley said, for the sins of the whole world. He also died for my sins. And, and I experienced that in a powerful way and, and felt real to me for the first time. They got us involved in Salkahatchee. And they got us involved in Disciple Bible Study for Youth. And... And with each step along the way, with each progression, I became more and more believing, trusting, accepting, interested. I, I went to college in the pre-ministerial program, and, and even then it, it, it continued. I went to divinity school. I, I started pastoral ministry, and, and all along the way, I, it's important to say that there were times when I felt closer to God and times when I felt further from God, in times when I believed more strongly, in times when I doubted more, in times when I felt distant, in times when I did not. 
What I've noticed in, in the process is that there have been two ways that God has brought me back to deeper belief and trust and engagement, and three ways that God has kept me going. The two ways that God has brought me back has been through Scripture and through the witness of others. And the three ways God has kept me going has been through prayer and worship and service. When we read the Gospels, we can picture this Jesus that we've never actually I think the Gospels are kind of like those photo albums that, that people bring out and, and start telling you about their family. Or, or maybe like your great uncle who can tell you about the great grandfather you never knew. Let me tell you what he was like. The Gospels introduce us to this person we've never seen and we can start to imagine who he was and experience who he was. And then the others witness. When people share where they are with Jesus, it helps us move Jesus from the person of history, from the pages, from from long ago to the person who is still alive and among us and doing things. And when they say, this is how I have experienced Jesus. Let me tell you what he has been up to in my life. Then it, it brings him to life to us and it starts to make, make us realize he's not just from back then. And then they'll say something like, I was praying and Jesus told me this, or, or I heard Jesus say this, or I experienced this in Jesus. And, and you start to realize, hey, it's, it's okay to talk to Jesus. He might just listen and, and talk back. And so I tried. And this kind of thing happens. Now, I've never heard an audible voice, but as Jesus promised, he has reminded me of things in my prayers and, and given me some insight into what he was calling me to do. And I think reading the scriptures helps to inform that and all of that works together. And I realize that he is still alive and working and speaking. And so I don't feel odd or like I'm talking to myself when I pray, Lord, these are the things that are on my mind today. These are the things I have going on today. These are the things that I think I'm supposed to be accomplishing and I need your help with today. These are, are the places where I know there are some hurts and there's some needs and I, I want you to be involved in these situations. Lord, this is where I'm weighed down and I need you to know about it. And now, Lord, what is it that you need to say to me? Today, What is it that you want me to help you accomplish today? So let me tell you about my Lord. He is willing for us to have that conversation with him all through the day. So we learn about Jesus from the past through the scriptures and we learn about Jesus from the present and the conversations and the witness we hear him receive from others who have learned about him in their scripture study and in, in their prayer life. And then I think we experience him in, in the present through prayers and worship and service. I look at my own human relationships and it's through conversation and it's through presence and it's through acts of kindness and it's through devotion that those relationships grow. Why would I think it would be any different with Jesus? What I notice about my human relationships is that they never grow by inertia. They, they, they only grow stale by inertia, that they take some active involvement in order for them to grow, why would I think it would be any different with Jesus? If there's no conversation, if there's no time together, then there's no growth. If there's no prayer and no 
worship and no service, there's no growth. Too often I feel like people think, well, once I've experienced something, then I will give of myself. We don't get the results we want if we don't practice the things that help us get the results that we want. I can't prove to you that someone exists who you've never seen. That's more than I can do. More than I think anyone can do. I can only tell you that I have received a witness from others who have believed even though they have not seen it. And I have come to believe even though I have not seen. I think God has gotten me there and God is keeping me there through through scripture, through prayer, through worship, through service, through witness. And when those words start to move around in my mind, I, I realize that really those are the promises we make when we join the church. We offer our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. And then I It dawned on me this week that while we definitely are giving something, when we say, I will give to you, church, I will give to you, God, my prayers, presence, witness, gifts, and service, it's also the gift of the church. The gift of God to say to us, we want from you your prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, because those are the ways that we come to believe and continue to believe in the one we have not seen. It's the very things the church asks of us. That help us to believe. Isn't it funny how that works? Thanks be to God it does. Amen.